The old saying, look good, feel good, fits Stitch Fix perfectly. The direct-to-consumer online personal styling service has boomed due to its ability to not only match customers with trendy and comfortable clothes, but to make it a personalized experience for each buyer. At the end of the day, we want to be rooted in personalization. First and foremost, it's important for us that not only that you come to Stitch Fix to complete a transaction, that you really think about us as your partner in style. From curating stylish experiences to matching each individual with their own personal stylist, Stitch Fix has taken e-commerce to the next level. On this episode of IT Visionaries, Tatiana Moskalevich, the Director of Data Science at Stitch Fix, takes listeners into the algorithms that help curate those experiences and the science behind it all. Enjoy this episode. IT Visionaries is created by the team at mission.org and brought to you by Salesforce Platform, the number one cloud platform for digital transformation of every experience. Innovate fast, empower every employee, and scale with confidence from anywhere with a customer at the center of everything you do. Learn more at salesforce.com slash platform. Welcome everyone to another episode of IT Visionaries. And today we have Tatiana Maskalevich. She's the director of data science at Stitch Fix, and she is behind those algorithms that bring you style. Tatiana, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Happy to be here. Yeah, we're excited to have you here. It's not often we get consumer brands like yourself. And I think what's cool about Stitch Fix, of course, is it is known exactly for its data science. But before we get too deep into it, for anyone who doesn't know who Stitch Fix is, Tatiana, can you tell us what Stitch Fix is and what you do there? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so all of you, uh, all of us uh, kind of deal with shopping every day. Um, and, you know, online shopping is really, really convenient. But we also know it can be dreadful like going through pages of um, inventory, trying to search, then thinking about whether it's going to fit and, you know, getting anxiety about returns. Well, Stitch Fix um, first was brought um, to life, helping you to find um, your best style uh, and feel your best while also having a lot of fun in the comfort of your home. So the way Stitch Fix work is we basically pair you um, as a consumer with one of our stylists And then when you sign up for the service, you fill out the questionnaire where we learn a little bit more about your um, background, your uh, your style preferences, your size, your fit preferences. And then we combine stylist intelligence um, with the algorithms where they select five items um, that resonate the most with you. And then you receive the items in the comfort of your home, try them on and um, return whatever you don't like and, and keep what you like. And that's how Stitch Fix works. Okay. So what makes this very interesting is this is a company that started in 2011. It is now at, and according to some public press releases, it has over 3.4 million customers as of June 2020. So your algorithm has to be very good to do that. So this is where we want to talk and dive into the data science because what you're doing is... But it's pretty phenomenal because I feel like the data points, there's a significant amount of data points. I hope you can share with us a little bit of how many data points you're evaluating. But for those who don't know, Stitch Fix not only does exactly what Tassiana said, where your personal preference, you take size fit measurement of a person, but you also have literally, it says on your website, you have thousands of brands, which means you need to know and quantifiably how all of these thousands of brands and their articles of clothing and their SKUs are also cut and fit as well. Because how are you going to recommend me five things if you don't know how each of your 1,000 will fit on my body type? So I'm curious, what is the data load, I guess, that you are managing, your data lake? What does it look like to have all of these you know, data points? Yeah, wonderful question here. Um, I think you know, data is the key to a lot of things. Um, and at Search Fix, uh, we're just quite lucky. Not only we have a lot of data, we do have very, very deep knowledge of our clients uh, because when we set on a journey to you know, help you feel and look your best, we also created a lot of feedback loops. Meaning as a customer, when you sign up and when you receive your shipment, you have an opportunity to let us know how each garment fits you. Also, at the warehouse, when we receive a shipment, we have an opportunity to measure um, and collect various points of measurements on each merchandise and item that we receive. 
So you can imagine that we have this perfect feedback loop that give and get where um, we all we know um, with how garment is constructed, but we also know exactly what your fit preferences are. And then we get that connection, that data point that allows us to really make an inference about how each piece of clothing is going to work for each individual consumer. And so that's, that's really awesome. And then on top of that, uh, we also have this tool, you probably read about it, or I don't know if have you experienced that, the style shuffle? Um, have you tried that on yet? So I personally have not. I'm not much of a shopper, but maybe you can convince me differently. <laughs> um, but I am familiar with some of the tools and online web interfaces that you have to help someone pick out their products. But go ahead and go ahead and explain what the style shuffle is. It's a game. Um, it's available to our clients. Um, and the, basically, the gist of it, we'll show you a piece of clothing and we, like, we ask you whether or not you like the style or not. So that experience in itself is super fun and engaging, but led us to collect over 5 billion of ratings from our clients. 5 billion. Yes, <laughs> 5 billion ratings. Um, yeah, so you'll be surprised. People really love to, to rate things and, and, and really love to tell us as such fakes of, of what they like. So, um, so that helped us also on top of the feedback loop that the loops that I described really helped us to understand client style. And style is the thing that is actually very challenging. Um, you know, when we talk to stylists and we ask them to describe the style, when, you know, the style is such an aesthetic, is like when you see it, you know, but when you try to describe it, each person will have their own opinion about it. So translating 5 billion ratings in something that is pretty objective as far as cli uh, client style preferences was really, really impactful for us as well. And that was great for um, multiple places where we use this data from, you know, helping with the core recommendations um, to both directly to consumer, which is our new offering um, that we just started, uh, where clients can experience merchandise directly without a stylist, but also, of course, to stylists and help them with, you know, making the choices for clients without um, shifting through um, multiple thousands of um, items that we could recommend at any given point of time. And of course, the other piece where my team um, really kind of drives the connection is the matching of stylists and clients. Like when stylists, when clients come to our service, we match them with the best stylist that will work for them. And that of course is done not only on many multiple variables, but most importantly on matching that style. So I was wondering, is there a way, I know, of course you can't reveal all, but I was wondering if there's a way you could anecdotally explain how this matching occurs. So how does Stitch Fix take, for example, all these billion pieces of data? I mean, the billions is just the ratings, the 5 billion. I mean, I don't even know what actual number of data points you have, how many variables you've captured. It's, it's astronomical to think about it. Because you've mentioned now there's the quantifiable data, right? This is a size 32 waist, or this is a size three dress. This is, a, this is the, the circumference of a, of a hip, you know? Mm -hmm. You have the quantifiable, you have the, the quantitative, then you also have like qualitative data. It sounds like with rating data where people are saying they like things, they can't explain why they like things, but they just say they like it. And so you understand that. How does this work together to say, okay, if you like one t-shirt, you probably like this t-shirt too. Help our audience walk through this process without, you know, of course, revealing too much, but if you reveal as yeah. much as you want though, well, our team definitely wants to know. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, so I'll start with uh, just the first step as, you know, before the magic happens of stylists picking items for the clients, we first need to match them. So I'll talk through matching first. Okay. So as I mentioned that, um, we collected a lot of data on client preferences, including their revealed style based on the ratings that we've collected. So from there on, we construct um, something we call latent style map. You know, it's very easy to understand if you're a computer because those are just um, very high dimensional vectors that represent your preferences. And when we kind of come up with this map, it's a really great source for algorithms. Now, we can also place our stylist on the same map because just as consumers reveal their preferences by ratings, our stylists reveal their style by what they like to send to clients. 
while they're serving a wide variety of clients, you know, each of us have our own favorites and our own preferences when it comes to aesthetic. And so we inherently will do with certain aesthetics better than with others. So as you can imagine, we can place clients' preferences in that, you know, multidimensional space, and then we can put uh, our stylist uh, preferences in the same space. And it's a matter of mathematical function of finding the distance between the two. And so the closer you are in that space, the more likely we're going to match you. Um, And of course, everything is tested. So we know those matches are very successful. So that's kind of a one way we we utilize this data uh, to create that serendipity of discovery and a connection between stylist um, and client. And secondary, that algorithm itself and that space, you know, it was interesting to us because you know, as you can imagine, and I described, like there's, those are the numbers, right? Mm-hmm. There's just like a pluses and minuses and, and decimal points. Not so interesting for stylists to see, but we were able to translate those numbers into kind of a visual representation of somebody's style. So rather than, um, you know, telling stylists, well, this client is a boho, or maybe they're more edgy or classic, we show them a visual representation of their style. And that was also very successful in helping our stylists to really pinpoint on our clients' unique preferences. So you have a way to use mathematical and quantifiable measurements and qualifiable measurements to then take, it sounds like through AI, assimilate and build from nothing, a style map of collection of clothes for a stylist to see like, oh, this person likes to look like this in their clothes. And that's what they help helps them pick out articles of clothing for their customers. Yeah, that's just one of the pieces of data that we, you know, give to our stylists. So, you know, sometimes when you think about those kind of recommender models, you just things of, uh, you know, rows and rows of items, but um, we think about it more holistically. Kind of our goal is to give stylists and clients tools to really kind of reduce anxiety of choice and help them to find the pieces that fit and look best on them. And so surprising reveal in there that it's not only just algorithms that rank items, but also that really help um, particularly our stylists to understand each client. Okay. So this sounds like a Herculean effort. It's got, you got, you know, I can't, like I said, again, I cannot imagine how many data points you are sifting through. So let me ask you a question. What kind of tools, because you know, one of the things that uh, I learned in my own software development experience is, of course, the only way to, you know, data is actually quite useless unless you can retrieve it, fetch it in a, <laughs> in a usable way. And so I was wondering, what, what are you doing technically or functionally to help you manage this data? What is, how do you evaluate what's important? What's an important data point? What's less important? Are you stack ranking these data points? I'm trying to understand or want our audience to understand and kind of have you share with us what type of data management and data selection and data application, whether you use you know, tools or proprietary systems that you need to manage this type of data and to get something useful out of it. A wonderful question. And in the case is, um, you know, as we think about the data science of Stitch Fix, in, it comes in like multiple layers. For example, for our team, you know, we want to have, uh, our sciences to focus on science. So really building those algorithms that derive the insights from the data and not just in the form of uh, kind of communication, but really in the form of the, the matching and in the form of systems that we put in front of stylists and clients, both from the experience point of view, but also recommendations themselves. The secondary piece of that, that as a team, we really focus on is uh, really laying a good foundation um, for our kind of compute infrastructure and data management infrastructure. So on the data science team, uh, we have the data platform team that um, really kind of laid a wonderful foundation for all of the members of my team. Both, well, majority of our tools are developed internally just because of the um, unique properties of our data. Mm-hmm. But of course, we use the tools uh, available on market as well. And so we have our data stored um, in um, AWS and we basically have access to all of the data. 
And then on top, we layer a lot of systems that allow data scientists to basically transform and extract this um, data and pipe it into the algorithms that they're creating. And the beautiful part about this, uh, well, you know, and I'm very grateful to the team that put a lot of effort there is that we have wonderful abstractions so that um, any person that joins our data science team kind of uh, have a very easy time to go from zero to one. Meaning that they don't have to be experts in DevOps and they don't have to be experts in data engineering um, to get the insights out of the data. Um, we have so many great tools that have been um, developed that um, I see people like, for example, I have a recent joiner on the team who was able to really drive so much impact in the first three months on the job. So it's, it's super important. I think it's extremely you know, um, wise, I think, for Eric Colson, who initially was building this team to really put so much effort, emphasis on our data platform and the tools that we've developed for, for science to really drive the customer experience. No, that's awesome. I'm curious what happened in those three months that allowed a new person to come in and, you know, impact customers in a positive light. Well, the first and foremost um, is we have a really great space, um, you know, to create. And I call this a fertile ground. You know, it's almost like I sometimes I think of the data science as gardening exercise, right? Like, yeah. you know, if you if you kind of cultivate, right, and you, and you put a lot of thoughtfulness in the ground and then you plant the seeds and they will grow. So what I say for our team and our culture, uh, overall a stitch fix, um, we really uh, like focus on, you know, building the culture of kind, bright, um, and people motivated by challenge. And so when person joined most recently, there was a great challenge for us as we are expanding our um, reach with clients and, you know, building those engaging experience that are not just connected with stylists, but allow them explore on their own. There were a lot of interesting questions that were posed. And so, as I said, like, I, I really um, credit to us as a company and also as a data science team to create a structure where somebody could come in and quickly understand our business, have access to the data, and have ability and freedom to iterate and try the ideas. Um, so when we went from having like, almost no um, infrastructure to having a solid algorithm in place in just three months. No, that's... That's fascinating. I'm always curious about actually, you know, implementing the technology because your analogy to a garden is exactly right. Because unstructured data that is difficult to manage and consume and utilize is like that. It's just dirt, right? Yeah. <laughs> and, and so you need something to cultivate the, the the flowers, if you will, or like the signals that give customers positive impact. So it's a, I think that's a fascinating analogy, and it makes total sense that a lot of the work is done in the DevOps side to make sure that this data is readily usable for your team. Curious, how many people are on your team that can help pull this information together and, of course, make recommendations for stylists and customers? Yeah, well, the team is pretty large, I'd say, uh, on, on a data science side. So we have about 130 or so people. Overall, uh, we the quarter of this is the platform team. And so that's the team that I've mentioned that is focusing on kind of cultivating the data. You know, we have the whole team um, that is focusing on bringing the right data in the right shape and our core data management uh, piece. And so having this available um, for data scientists. And then there's a compute piece where, you know, if you need, so there's a data, but then there's um, kind of a features, right? And from data to features, you need to do sometimes a fairly heavy computation. So we have a lot of infrastructure built out for that. And of course, the model management itself, like, as I say, like somebody can come in and make impact and build completely new model in three months. It's just because we have the infrastructure that allows you to connect the pieces and, and train the algorithm as well. So that exists. Um, and then. On the team itself, we uh, basically created an environment where there's a lot of collaboration and people are, are really happy you know, to take anyone on the journey and then both um, share the insights and gotchas uh, and the experiences that they had, but also really, really um, help somebody with the ideas. Like people don't work in isolations and particularly data scientists, they don't. Um, they want a collaborative environment. They want, you know, to share their ideas, hear feedback. And as I say, at Stitch Fix, we're all about the feedback. Like our culture is rooted on that and, and it's particularly impactful on the data science side. 
So as I said, like we have a really good data. The data here is pretty amazing. Like I, when I started about five and a half years ago, when I first looked at the data, I was like, wow, this is really great. Um, and you know, it's been really paying off and uh, with our team, like making so much impact, but really cultivating that culture of you know, strong collaboration and really thinking about the problem as a whole. So we work very closely with our um, product partners, our design partners, because that's how algorithms make impact, not just in isolation. And it's not about just tuning. That's an important part, but it's really about making the impact on the customer. Got it. And how, what kind of outcomes have you seen from this application of data science towards stitch, you know, cause like you said, it's continuously improving, right? You were amazed five and a half years ago, but then if you were to probably look back on it, you probably are looking at, there's probably some quantifiable things that have improved in that time frame. Uh, I didn't know if you could share any stories of like, how long does it take for someone to select an outfit? Like how many people are now selecting the first recommendation? How often you guys are right the first time? I didn't know if there's any numbers like that, that kind of demonstrate the power of applying these algorithms in improving the customer experience, right? Because the way I think of things today, especially is that people are, I would say increasingly impatient. That's just my assumption. I don't really have <laughs> the facts to prove it. But <laughs> when I look at websites and web visits and you know, people seem to th always want things sooner, faster, better. So it makes me think that, you know, for Stitch Fix to keep the customer base, they have, you have to present things really quickly because I know for myself as a consumer, if I have to make too many selections, then I'm probably not as interested or not likely to buy, right? Because I prefer seeing something I like right away and I want to buy it sooner rather than later. I didn't know if you could share any things like that have fundamentally transformed in the five years that you've been there. Yeah, um, I'm happy to share a few points here. And, you know, your insight here is totally right. Like choice anxiety is a real thing, right? Like we just, with information um, that is just thrown at us everywhere, like we have to make so many choices and so many decisions every hour. And, you yeah. know, when you think about just, you know, global things, like we're looking at the pandemic right now, that's a lot. So our goal is exactly that. Like, let, let us help you. Let us help you find things that you love. And I think there's two pieces there. So on one hand, you know, we were very deliberate. We have, you know, we send five items to your, to your home, right? Like, you don't have to do anything. And if that's something that you love, this is great, right? Like, it's, it's really awesome when you come home, you open the box, there's five items selected for you. Like, when I, when I, when I receive my fix, you know, I go and I try them on and I pair them with other items I have in my closet. It's a very different experience compared to, you know, getting maybe five, seven shipments from different websites and half of them probably don't fit. And then you spend <laughs> like 30 minutes browsing and then you're like, oh my gosh, I'm just going to buy the same thing in different color because I know it fits. So, so that's one, that's one piece here. The other piece on on our direct to consumer shopping experience that we are um, building right now is that we also don't show you everything. Like we have thousands of um, items in our inventory, but we decided we picked it to only show you things that we think are the most relevant for you that we're confident are going to fit very well um, and also look great. And so in that sense, it's like, you know, you can come back and look at it as we refresh them, but, um, you know, we are very much kind of curating the experience, even when we're serving a lot of inventory. Is that the measure that you evaluate your team on, which is uh, like, for example, how many people keep all five pieces that we recommend or how many attempts at browsing do people do? I didn't know how you measure the effectiveness of the algorithms. Yeah, wonderful question. And I mean, there's quite a few measures. I think at the end of the day, we, we want to be rooted in personalization, right? And first and foremost, it's important for us that, you know, it's not only that you come to Stitch Fix uh, to complete a transaction, that you really think about us as your partner style. And so from there on, you know, there's different factors. We want, we want to see that you have the connection with your stylist. We want to see that you have the connection and you really truly love what you get, right? Like, so one hand, you might say like, we want to optimize for you keeping all five items, but maybe that means that you're only going to come uh, to Stitch Fix a few times, right? Like, so, and maybe you're going to keep the five items, but two of them, you're not going to really love that's maybe not the most optimal outcome. We want, you know, we want you to be very happy with the service. 
And so there's multiple, um, there's multiple variables that go into it. Um, and I wouldn't say that when we look at uh, evaluating an impact of the algorithm, we just look at transaction. We look at this as the whole picture. That makes total sense. And for, for yourself, how did you fall in love with data? I'm guess that's the big question here because you know here you are, you're now the director of data science at Stitch Fix. You're changing the way people are shopping, buying clothes, personal style. How did you get involved in data science? Well, that's a long story. Um, I'd say, yeah, <laughs> I'd say, you know, data science actually, you know, when I'm thinking about my career, like data science wasn't a thing like 15 years ago. I think we had like analysts. And generally, there were statisticians, and data science sort of emerged, and I think almost like it emerged maybe first as the machine learning, and then kind of pivoted into data science. So it was kind of great as I reflect back on the last um, 15 years to be part of this journey. Um, So my career kind of started um, early on. Uh, I moved to the United States about 16 years ago and embarked on kind of figuring out like what, um, what is my career going to look like now in the new country? And uh, my background was in um, management and economics. So, so at first I was also considering kind of pursuing a career in the same space. And coincidentally, I have a really fun story to say that, um, you know, as a new immigrant, I, I decided to take a personal finance class at the local community college, which was probably one of the better decisions I've made uh, coming into the new country with a really, really different uh, financial system. Um, so I've learned a lot in that class um, and really, really connected with the professor. So I, uh, and he was uh, teaching finance at Berkeley actually um, as well. And so I, inquired with him was like, what, what do you think I should do if I want to pursue the career? And he asked me this really profound question of, do you like mathematics or computer science? And I said like, well, yeah, I actually really like math. And he suggested that I really should look into a degree in mathematics. And so kind of the rest is the history for, uh, really the rest is history for me because um, I've, uh, you know, I went on, on the route of studying math and Started with the pure mathematics uh, and then uh, moved into more of applied side and kind of uh, started more biological side of math. And then, you know, come around 2012, where the whole machine learning field started emerging and that really piqued my interest. And from there on, kind of both exploring kind of this analytical side of data. In my early career, I worked with startups, which was a wonderful experience in itself of like getting the 360 view and, you know, starting the business and really starting from ground up, not having a lot of data and then getting some data from, at that point, I'd say it was like early 2011, 2012, where we were really on a, onto mobile, um, as you maybe recall. Yep. Up for everything. Um, and that was like a local, social, mobile kind of experience. A lot of really fun data there. I really had the great mentors. Um, and then from there, I went to consulting, which was wonderful exposure to more of a breadth. And I worked um, in the emerging tech on R&D side, which um, was kind of like a getting almost like a 360 from uh, you know, the technology side. Like you get really excited about the new things. But then when, we, when I was in, um, at Accenture and in the R&D lab, we, we get to like really take very early emerging tech and really try to apply to the customer use cases that we're seeing and kind of both helping companies to you know, get those insights, but really learning about how to take something from very beginning and apply it to um, you know, existing like large enterprise use cases. And then I met Eric Colson about six years ago and, um, you know, he reached out to me on LinkedIn. We had coffee. I just remember him bringing his sketchbook to a coffee chat and, you know, he really intrigued me. We, we drew a lot of graphs and had a lot of really fun discussions and the rest is the history. And so I've been such fakes ever since. <laughs> no, that's awesome. I was reading through your LinkedIn and I checked out, you know, because we, of course, we have to check out all of our guests. And I took a look at, uh, for example, your master's thesis. You listed that your master's thesis was testing chromosome proximity hypothesis using log linear models. 
That's correct. Uh, the only word I understood in there were testing and hypothesis. Everything else. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I don't know what this is. <laughs> yeah. Well, as I said, like, you know, data can be applied um, in a lot of places. And, you know, the fun part is that I've actually, maybe two years ago, we were solving one of the problems here. And I actually got to think about the work I've done in my master's and, and you know, writing that research um, and some of the methods we used there were really applicable to fashion. So you never know. Yeah. You never know where that knowledge will come handy. That's the practical application of mathematics. There you go. Yep. <laughs> so, you know, fast forward, let's bring you back, bring our audience back. Some of the things that are tra transforming, you're at the forefront of. Uh, one of the things that I was reading an article about was the fact that, of course, there's fewer people that have to go into work now that more, uh, let's say, proper or business casual. I don't even know the way to describe it. Like, you know, wearing suits and stuff like Brooks Brothers obviously has fallen on hard times. Other uh, suit or dress companies, business attire companies are struggling a little bit. Have you also at StitchFist seen the trend change in consumer interests? Have things changed during the pandemic due to the fact that there's fewer people that need to let's say, dress formally, and how has that impacted things? Undeniably, the trends have shifted. Um, you know, I was just um, looking at some data recently. You know, I've mentioned that our clients gave us a lot of data, which, you know, they trusted with a lot of decisions. And um, one part of the process that we have is what our clients kind of write to us. And they might say like, hey, Tatiana, you know, I'm going on vacation here's where I'm going and, you know, suggest some things that you think are appropriate or I'm having a job interview or most recently is I'm working from home, right? Um, and then my, I might only need something cute and business-like on top, but maybe need more, uh, more comfortable pajama-like on the bottom if I'm sitting in front of uh, my camera most of the day. So a lot of this kind of uh, knowledge came through and, I'd say a stitch fix, we already have not been a, um, a kind of a traditional from, you know, even the supply chain component. Like we turn our inventory very quickly. We turn our inventory much more often compared to an average retail company. We also have a lot of merchandise that, you know, we don't look at it from like, we don't change from season to season because we know and we can anticipate our consumers kind of preferences. So I'd say like we've seen a huge trend in athleisure, which is kind of the category that have been lingering um, up until pandemic, but really took a stronghold um, during the last, I'd say, what, eight months now. Yep. So we've seen like, you know, athleisure, demand for athleisure went up of like 350%. And we were ready for this. We have already had the relationships with vendors. We've had merchandise in place. And of course, the beauty here is we have stylists. So at Stitch Fix, we always say better together. And so while we had the data, we had some insights, stylists really helped us to really get the right uh, merchandise to the consumer because they can respond to those unique needs and unique requests that our consumers may have. So how has the split been of business casual tops versus business casual bottoms? Because I feel like... <laughs> <laughs> I feel like maybe shirts continue to sell, but then people aren't buying the pants. I don't know. What What are some interesting or unique trends or, you know, interesting data points that you've spotted? Or other, some other interesting data points, some unique things that could, uh, you know, that maybe, maybe, maybe were unexpected. Yeah. One of the things that, you know, when I looked at trends and we have some NLP, well, we have NLP in many places, but also uh, we have some of that surface when you can purely look at trends for yourself. Like, you know, the term WFH, um, right, like became very prominent in our request. So like everyone is like, I'm working from home. Right. Help me. Right. Like and they come to Stitch Fix. They say, like, what 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 is that that, you know, you think going to look great when I am on camera? Because people at the end of the day want to look and feel great, but they're more comfortable. Like I don't need to, you know, have head to toe outfit. Like I can have my fuzzy slippers on the bottom, a nice, <laughs> nice lounge fan. I mean, I have two fuzzy slippers now and I'm loving it. Like, you know, I do love a pair of good shoes, but for the audience that doesn't know, Tatiana is wearing a very nice shirt, right? Nice business shirt. But now she's admitting she's wearing fuzzy slippers on her feet. So, you know, I'm in the same thing. Well, I'm not dressed nicely at all. 
I do have shorts and sl- <laughs> slippers on though, for sure. Uh, I can see how that's changed. Yeah. I'd say like at the end of the day, people want to look great, whether on camera or not, uh, whether you're wearing a pajama or, uh, you know, some lounge you wear or you're wearing um, a nice suit. Like at the end of the day, looking great, feeling great, it's all about confidence. And that confidence is gonna come through whether you're in the video chat or whether you're in person. And that's why we're here, you know, we want to give you that confidence. And, you know, we might have to break some norms where you can be a pajama on the bottom and nice dressy shirt <laughs> on top. So be it, right? Like, that's great. Like as long as it makes you feel great, that's why we shop. I'm, I'm just imagining for, you know, like, let's say my wife, like her five articles of clothing, one's like a nice blouse for work and the other is like a pair of leggings because she wants to chill. I'm just thinking like it's like a probably a mix mash kind of thing that's coming. Down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, you know, it's interesting because, um, you know, while I'm doing data science here um, and really kind of, you know, inspire our clients and stylists and, and data scientists, to work together. Like I also style clients as well, which is a fun part of my job and oh, unexpected. Do I do actually, I do. You know, when we, we have about 5,000 stylists and my team um, really focuses not only on algorithm, but building like end-to-end systems for stylists to really get the right information about our clients and make connections. So okay. inherently I'm very closely connected with um, our 5,000 people org. And, you know, had a chance to get a lot of training from them as well. So I've been styling now for about, let's say, like almost since the beginning. Well, in the beginning, we all we all go through practicing um, styling our clients so that we just understand how our product works from within. Um, and then I've been styling ever since. And, you know, I actually have some clients who have been my clients since the beginning. Like now reflecting on this five and a half years, been through birthdays several vacations, et cetera. Now pandemic, I mean, it's real relationship here. That's crazy. Now I want to, I'm curious now, have you learned something from being a stylist that maybe in data alone you would have never discovered? Oh, absolutely. Like hundred percent. So I would give you like at least two examples. Yeah. So first is like, you know, when, when our clients come to Stitch Fix, they want to tell us, you know, about their unique circumstance. And I think I already gave an example about vacation, but that could be anything. That could be uh, something like I'm going to the wedding and my ex is going to be there. So I really need to surprise him. Uh, (laughs) You know, this is a thing that algorithms are going to have a hard time understanding, right? Like while we have an NLP systems, while we have a lot of, um, you know, insights, this is something that only people could understand. So those are the situations that I really learned being a stylist that like, okay, well, I really need to understand how people are making decisions and what our clients are coming to us with, like what, what problems are they trying to solve? And then second, which is more important is how do stylists experience the systems and algorithms that we're building? Like we really kind of need to be users as well. While maybe this is not our primary job, but really kind of have the empathy there is super important because, you know, we can make a change somewhere that could really, really impact their job. And, as, you know, if we don't have the knowledge and empathy about what their job entails, this is going to be really you know, critical to success here, because as you could imagine, if the stylists are impacted and they are unhappy about um, their job, this will also propagate to our client experience. No, that's fascinating. That is great. So what, so I got to ask in this situation where the person wanted to, uh, you know, impress the ex, <laughs> how did you quantifiably, I guess, enter that data point? Because it sounds like it's something you would just type up. But then, then like to me on the other side, I might not understand that. Like what, what yeah. do you mean dress to impress? Like you want to look, you know, more stunning, more like sexy, like more fit. Like, I don't know what that means. Right. So I, uh, that's where the relationships come in, pl- in place, right? Like I understand somebody's style. So some people might like more fitted clothes and that's what impressed men for them. Or some people may be more flowy, right? Some people yep. may be more romantic. So you take that information. And then, as I said, like, while we very much um, create and tailor information to stylists to help them to make decisions really efficiently, 
Uh, we also give them a lot of um, levers and help them to be in the driver's seat as well. So if they need to override an algorithm because they have more information, they can certainly do so. Oh. Um, so it's, it's a point of more of kind of exploring the inventory and finding the pieces that you think are going to resonate with clients. Got it. So every client that you have is in somehow paired with a stylist unless they choose not to have one. Is that accurate? I'd say every client that comes to Stitch Fix they are paired with a stylist. Now, after they've experienced stylist, or they have an option also to go and shop directly mm -hmm. in parallel as well. So, but generally speaking, I would say um, all of our recommendation when it comes to receiving the fix is both done by algorithm and by human. So it's like 100% human created and 100% driven by algorithms. I like how that you guys call the actual delivery the fix because, you know. <laughs> Obviously, it's a play on words with, you know, what uh, people that are addicted feel. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if the Stitch Fix algorithm would just recommend me black hoodies all the time. <laughs> I mean, you guys have thousands, thousands of brands. So, like, he's got to have tons of SKUs of everything. You know, it's just like, hey, what do you think about this hoodie? Like, oh, I like that. <laughs> as long as you're open. All right. I've never done it before. I know of it. I, I've, I've known of it since the beginning. Um I just, I've never used, one of the things that I've always wondered about these um, subscription, well, it first started with subscription boxes. You remember, like, remember there, all the rage was the subscription box, but then people would cancel their box and then Stitch Fix came out and people were like, well, what's the difference between that and another subscription box? So Tatiana, your team has really dialed it in because yours keeps growing and others have, you know, fallen by the wayside, like Trunk Club and stuff like that. Yeah, we don't force you into the subscription. It's, you know, if you want to do it as you go, you can do it then. If you want to do it on Cadence, you can do it that way. Now that we have other options as well, where you can come in and buy items directly, like we, we think about the diversity here. So I think that that has been playing well for us in that space. Yeah. Plus personalization. Like I think our personalization is really great. That, I mean, that's the key, right? Obviously you can't share the formula. I mean, I don't know if anyone could understand it. They saw it anyway, <laughs> but that's, that's the winner, right? Because these, these subscription boxes, had they been able to match people truly to a style that they would love, the likelihood they stayed on board was much higher, but yeah. since they can't do it, that falls by the wayside. And then now you're for you like, I'll cancel that. Yeah. It's all about the flywheel, right? Like we, we started out small as well. And I have a little fun fact about the formula. I'd say maybe in 2015 or 16. Now I don't remember exactly which year we used to have when our office was smaller, we used to have like this amazing Halloween parties where each team, like let's say marketing or, you know, algorithms or like operations will have a theme that the whole team will dress up. Okay. In, in a theme. So one year we dressed up as our like main styling algorithms where we all, we were like lined up and then you know, like we had this formula on our t-shirt, like a pieces of formula, like features. And we kind of lined up <laughs> to be that formula. So it took about 40 people, I guess, <laughs> to get there. <laughs> Now it's probably you need a you know a couple hundred or something like that now. <laughs> All right. Well, now we have so many algorithms that it's it's much more complicated. <laughs> but yeah, the the part here I would say to come back to your question is that it's all about the flywheel. Like you know you have to start somewhere, but like you gotta hit that stride. So once you get there, like it's more about like getting more clients, getting more data, getting more merchandise. And, you know, it's kind of starts rolling. So I think that core component is super important when you think about building a company and kind of that uh, really rooted in personalization because you need that connected piece, which I, you know, I mentioned that feedback loop, right? Like, you, you, yeah. you know, the more you get, the more you know, the better you get. And then the part about um, fashion is also like, you have to be careful of not to create um, kind of the perfect black hoodie situation where it's like, I know that you like black hoodies. And so all I'm going to do is send you black hoodies. That's not fun. Right. Yeah. I, I don't know how best to describe it, but I would call that a self-fulfilling prophecy. Right? right. So a lot of recommendation engines, they fall into that trap you just talked about, which is, Oh, you've bought three black hoodies. You must want another one. Yeah. And it's like, if you don't show me something else, you will certainly fail because part of the recommendation is to show me something I wouldn't have otherwise expected myself to be interested in right. or I wouldn't have found myself. Right. Right. This is a, this is actually a fundamental problem in recommenders called like explore, exploit. 
right? Like we want to explore it a little bit because we know, we know you like the black hoodie. So we want to send you your perfect black hoodie, but we also want to give you some things that to try on that like you find your next best thing. Maybe it's, you know, maybe it's a button up shirt and who knows next time we meet, <laughs> next time we meet and you know, you're rocking, you're rocking fast sleepers and, and, and a nice button up shirt. That's it. That's it. You know, one of the things that we always want to do is uh, get let people know you a little bit more beyond Stitch Fix. So you know what time it is, Tatiana? What time is it? It's time for the lightning round. The lightning round is brought to you by the Salesforce platform, the number one cloud platform for digital transformation of every experience. Tatiana, this is where we ask you questions that get let you know let go a little bit outside of Stitch Fix. Short, quick questions, short, quick answers. Try to help our audience get to know you a little better. Sounds good. You ready? Mm-hmm. Are you currently a Stitch Fix customer? Yes, I am. Are you allowed to be a bad or a poor dresser and work at Stitch Fix? Yes, you do. <laughs> <laughs> How would you describe your style? Oh, my style is um, classic with a slight edgy side to it. See, you say that, but I, I still can't picture what that means because this is where your data has to be just <laughs> primo, right? Like right. edgy. Like, does that mean you wear like, you know, punk rock clothes? I don't know. Oh, well, I could. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I do love my leather jacket and a nice pair of shoes and, and I do like black. So I guess that will qualify me. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. So it's also listed that you're a professor. What classes do you teach? Um, mostly focusing on statistics um, and, and calculus, like two foundational pieces of data science. What do you think of the new wave of students that you're teaching? Are you impressed or unimpressed with them? <laughs> I am actually very impressed by students. Um, you know, I've been teaching online um, in the past and I've always been fascinated by like how resourceful students are and a lot of them come from such different backgrounds and particularly like not all the, the entire education is online for the most part, especially in the higher education. But like when you go back maybe five years um, and, and looking at the online education, you just have such a diverse group of people. Lots of them are really, you know, I've seen a lot of this like changing their careers, going into different industries, trying to just understand the world, right? Like through a lens of statistics, for example, like very inspiring. And then you mix that with some of the high school students who are also, you know, aspiring to go to college and want to take the class to get ahead. Like it's a really, really wonderful mix. So I've always felt inspired. And in fact, like there's a quite a few students that I still keep in touch with um, and, you know, really fun to look at their journeys, um, you know, after taking classes with me. That is awesome. Uh, I always like, I, I started as an educator myself, of course, not to the, I was teaching high school, not college calculus, but <laughs> it is cool looking back for sure on seeing the people that you, that you worked with or taught and seeing, you know, just how far their careers have come or whatever they're up to. Yep. So, how about what do you do for fun away from Stitch Fix and teaching <laughs> since you have two jobs? <laughs> yeah, wonderful question. Well, um, you know, I have I had like a big event in my life coinciding with the start of a pandemic. I, uh, you know, eight months ago, I had a baby. So that's been my thank you. That's been my fun uh, part right now in my life, which is you know, quite great to, you know, have some, um, someone at home and really spend a lot of time with um, my little boy, Roman. So he's been really fun, especially now that he's like learning to crawl and bubbling. And, you know, you can also use some of the mathematical things with him, such as reinforcement learning. And I think for gigs on the call, they, they get a gist of where you can, you know, help them to learn certain things. And, and reinforce their behavior as well. So it's been it's been a lot of fun. And of course, like, um, you know, in the last, especially year, I think a lot of people's interests change. Um, um, you know, one of the things that I'm looking forward to getting back to is just more kind of activity. We used to paint with friends a lot. Um, yeah. We had a small group of people who will get together and like just, you know, have some view to look at and paint. Now, of course, this is a little more challenging, but definitely kind of looking forward and very optimistic that we'll get there hopefully next year. 
Uh, you you are a person, very diverse person. You're like a Renaissance woman, yeah. You got <laughs> math and science. You're an educator in math and science, and you're also an artist. This is great. Yeah, well, I would I wouldn't qualify my artistic skills as something that I'll- we will call you a Renaissance <laughs> woman. It's okay, it's okay. And so now I gotta ask because I am the son of immigrants, and will you be hard on Roman to learn math and science? Um, you know, my approach is I'm open. I'm open to him becoming whoever he thinks he wants to be. You know, obviously, I will expose him to math and science and probably computer science from his dad. But, you know, reality is if he wants to be an artist, he can be an artist. If he wants to make clothes, he can make clothes. Like, I'm very open to him finding his own path. See, that sounds great. Roman's going to have a great life. My mom was much harder on me. <laughs> like, you have math, science, nothing else. I, I know that. I know the feeling. My my mom has been very tough on me as well. So um, I guess maybe we're trying sometimes to take best of our parents and, you know, propagate to our children. <laughs> and last but not least, what's a piece of advice you'd like to give to anyone who's taking over a big data science project? You're a director of data science. It doesn't quite have to be that title, but let's say someone out there in the workforce who's about to take over the team, it's going to be in charge of the data science division and their organization. What's a piece of advice you would give that person? Yeah, I think this is the piece of advice where I've sort of received when I started my career is just really cultivating the environment that help, you know, the scientists to do their best work and really kind of give them an autonomy, like don't give people a to-do list outlining every steps and how the problem needs to be solved. Really kind of cultivate an autonomy. A lot of people that, you know, come into data science, they're naturally curious people. And sometimes the way they go into uh, arrive to the solution going to surprise everyone. And one of the things I've learned from Stitch Fix is like sometimes the best work that our people did is not something we asked them to do. So let the creativity flow, help them to connect with, you know, problems we're trying to solve and, you know, really the consumer, consumer side, like why are we here? What are we trying to do and how we want to get there, but give them a space to create. There it is. Cultivating that space to create. Thanks again, Tatiana. Thanks for joining us today on IT Visionaries. Thanks for sharing your advice. Thanks for sharing your stories. I think our audience is going to have a great time hearing all of these stories. And, you know, just overall, thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having me. This was a lot of fun. IT Visionaries is created by the team at mission.org and brought to you by the Salesforce Customer 360 platform, the number one cloud platform for digital transformation of every experience. Build connected experience, empower every employee, and deliver continuous innovation with the customer at the center of everything you do. Learn more at salesforce.com slash platform.